You are listening to Waffle, the bite-sized podcast with Paul Jenkins. First broadcast on Rossendale Radio on the 12th of July, 2020. This week, Paul talks to Gabby Hutchinson-Crouch about how to become a comedy writer, and she talks about her new book. 104.7 Rossendale Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Weekend Wind Down. This is the Waffle segment. And this afternoon, uh, we are speaking to Gabby Hutchison-Crouch. Now, I'm going to allow her to introduce herself because, quite frankly, uh, rattling off her resume uh, is going to be it's going to take half the programme in itself. Um, All I'm going to introduce you uh, you as is the thing you need to know is that in 2014, uh, the Huffington Post decided that she was one of the 10 funniest women on Twitter. Uh, (laughs) And that's probably the best way to to start. Uh, where, where, Where are you called? calling us from today gabby i'm calling you from just outside of canterbury lovely all right so a place a place where i know well i believe yes I believe, <laughs> I believe people meet there quite often yes <laughs> yeah we, uh, we we met at uni and it's it's been a very long time 20 years or something like that we met in 98 i think um yeah because uh, yeah yeah it was 98 that we met um very long time ago, and uh, and and since then you have got on to great things. Uh, I mean, you have you are now well. You're, uh, there's various people you've worked for. Would you want to give us some sort of background into your work? Sure. Yeah. So um, I think I fish. I officially call myself a comedy writer and and um, author these days. Um, on my HMRC form, it says writer. Um, so yeah, I um, I write for a lot of uh, a lot of radio, a lot of audio, a lot of podcasts, uh, online comedy. I write for telly these days. I help out um, stand up comedians with their with their live shows, especially um, at the Edinburgh Festival. RAP if that ever comes back. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that work isn't happening this year. <laughs> um, I, so I do sort of um, help out um, stand-ups with their live acts, and um, I've uh, just published the second. Well, just had published the second book in a, a, a comedy fantasy trilogy called Darkwood, uh, which uh, is really good fun. I'm getting to tell a story, which is really exciting. <laughs> It is. And it, uh, from that, I mean, we can talk about the, the launch of Darkwood uh, in, mm. in a little bit of a while. And you were you, you were saying about working with uh, with comedians and yes. you started, I think, working uh, for the BBC show Newsjack. Is that right? That is right. That's a uh, if, if you've heard of it, it is a an open door show. It is um, basically the, the little the little online brother slash sister to Weekending, which was a like if basically every comedy writer that you will have heard of probably in the from the 80s 90s noughties onwards um, would have started on this show called Weekending which has got this huge sort of myth around itself <laughs> um, and Newsjack um, is quite similar to it except that you can you can send in uh, you can send in jokes and sketches online um, as opposed to back in the weekending days you had to actually go and sit in a sit in the damp room in the BBC in, the, in London um, so yeah I started off on that in 2012 mm. uh, just standing in jokes and sketches um, on a Sunday night and I didn't get anything on for the first series at all <laughs> I got very grumpy about it and then I came back to it fresh for the for the um, autumn series and I started getting stuff through uh, and uh, when you get stuff through not even just 
to, to the transmission uh, stage, even if you're just getting the stuff through to the recording script, the uh, obviously the, the producers are looking out because it is it's a show for finding new talent. Mm. So the producers will be watching for names that come up over and over again. Uh, um, so uh, the producer Ed Morish um, is a a, a wonderful uh, comedy producer who at the time was working for BBC in-house um, got in touch with me towards the end of the series and said, look, you've had quite a good run of this series. You've been doing quite well with your sketches. Do you want to come in for one of the writers' meetings? Um, which I did, which was really, really exciting. And then things sort of went from there. When um, when you're doing well on Newsjack, they'll invite you in. They'll get you to like meet some of the producers. And once you've got those contacts, then there are other sort of more open doors, sort of first rung opportunities for for new writers, uh, such as Now Show and uh, News Quiz have often have like a, a little sort of ninety. I think it's ninety pound or hundred pound now, mm. like a a little um, additional material stock for very new writers. Um, that's a really good opportunity because you know, news quiz looks amazing on your CV. And once you've done the news, <laughs> once you've done the news quiz, if you're like me, if you've got um, parents who are who are rather sort of um, middle class boomers, <laughs> oh my goodness! If you've had your name on Radio Four, it's you're basically Jesus. <laughs> People come up to you, and go. Oh, it's as if it's as if you just headlined Glastonbury. It's like I heard your name. There is when uh, when you were writing for the news quiz, it was an interesting game to play of see if you can spot one of Gabby's jokes before they give the credits at the end. Uh, And it's it was it's it's quite there's 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 clearly a a team of writers working there. And I think you you've uh, from that uh, sort of working on those shows, you were actually given a, a bursary by the BBC by BBC Comedy, weren't you? Yeah. So there are a few different bursaries. Um, I got the one that well. Traditionally, the way that they do it is that um, a couple of the producers will like put forward names of people who are at the stage in their career where they um, where they would benefit from the, the bursary, which is basically you get paid for a year to come in four days a week um, and write jokes and um, add to do additional material for lots of different shows, and it's great for your CV and it's great for your uh, your experience. Um, so usually they will put forward some names that they know who are at that kind of stage. Um, the year that I did it, they did it slightly differently. They did it as an open door thing. So um, uh, about 200 people applied. And what we ended up with uh, was me. And I was the person who Ed would have put, Ed Morris would have put forward anyway. And Max, who was the person that Carl Cooper would have put forward anyway. So I think after that, they just went back to, that took ages and loads of money. And we just ended up with exactly the same people we'd have got if we'd have just asked the producers who should do this. Uh, so, uh, so, so yeah, it's, um, so that one it is largely people who um, are known to producers having that sort of stage. But there, there are other bursaries available um, that are more open door, like the Carolina Hearn bursary um, and Felix Dexter bursary. And there's another one now, and I've forgotten who, which are uh, what the name is. Um, it, it sounds like there's a, there's a big investment. I mean, the BBC have obviously got a big, rich history of developing new comedy over the years, yes. anyway. But it sounds as if there's a real kind of drive of investment towards finding new talent, and I think. That's a that's a really important thing going forward, isn't it? Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I'll always go on about our Newsjack um, is one of the most important programs that the BBC does. It won a rose door um, a couple of years after I'd done the um, after I'd done the bursary, mm. um, which was that was exciting. Um, <laughs> so it is like a really important 
show and uh, I wish they'd do more of it because at the time they were doing a show, uh, a show called The Show What You Wrote which wasn't topical so you could just write about anything um, and it's a shame that they're not doing that anymore. I wish that they'd do more open door shows because it's the, the, the talent and the, the jokes that you get in from an open door show are, are really excellent. Uh, now, uh, I, I'm, we're going to take a bit of a music break coming up now, uh, and mm. and I think it's really important to set this song in context that you've chosen first of all, because it's a it's a great sounding song, and it's it's a very uh, emotive of the time that it was written, and it brings back a lot of memories for me, uh, and it's a great song. It's called Run with Us, uh, and. and and the, the thing about it is that you, just to listen to it, if you've never heard this song coming up before, um, it just sounds like a great tune. But do you want to set it in context? <laughs> yes. So anybody who's my kind of age, who's <laughs> I'm 40, so anyone sort of around your early 40s or late 30s will listen to this and be transported back to Saturday mornings and a rather a weirdly sort of downbeat Saturday morning cartoon about a bunch of raccoons <laughs> and um, having adventures. Oh, there was an there's an evil aardvark and a bunch of pigs who are the same, who are smaller than the raccoons, which doesn't make much sense. Um, it's the it's the end tune from the raccoons, which has nothing to do with the cartoon at all. No. It's, it's this sort <laughs> of weirdly. It's a sort of it's kind of sad. It's kind of sad. Yeah. Run with us, but while having really uplifting, while having quite an uplifting uh, message to it, it's all about friendship and all about um, you know having a crew who are there for you, like no matter what. But it, it's got a kind of a darkness to it, <laughs> which I really, really like. And the video, the official video is um, Lisa Lockheed. Is that coming? I think it is. Yes. Um, um, in a just in an alley in the eighties, <laughs> like dancing around, and then they'll show a few like little clips from the raccoons. I I did a quick um, uh, Google of her, and she actually plays a raccoon. And the later they bring in a raccoon called Lisa, Lisa the raccoon. <laughs> so she plays a little raccoon version of herself in later in later series. I think it, it might be a touch of poochie going on. <laughs> <laughs> People at home, you didn't just dream this conversation. This is Run With Us. At home, in the office, in the car, wherever you are, you can listen to 104.7 Rossendale Radio. Welcome back to the Waffle segment. It's me, Paul Jenkins. I'm in conversation with Gabby Hutchison-Crouch. And we're talking about, first of all, uh, all the things to do with comedy writing. Uh, but most importantly, uh, Gabby's just had a new book out. I'm just reading from the back of the book here. Uh, there's a couple of quotes here from Sarah Millican uh, and one from Lucy Porter. Gabby is one of the funniest writers I know and pratchety fun for all the family from Lucy Porter there. Um, now, that's that's high praise uh, for your series. Um, um, do you want to tell us a little bit about the Darkwood series of books? Sure. Um, it um, it came from a rejected um, script, which is <laughs> the absolutely peak writer of me. <laughs> Comedy writers are just, I don't know if you want to call us economical or lazy, <laughs> but we hate waste and we will often, like, if something gets rejected, we'll put it in a drawer and we'll take it out and we'll try and reformat it or try to to change things around um, but these were a set of ideas that I'd loved and I'd been thinking about for a long time um, and uh, there was a writer's room competition uh, for a, a series for CBBC uh, which I, I pitched that one to and they flatly said no and I got really angry I was <laughs> like well 
if you don't want it, someone else will want it. And I decided to write it as prose because at that point I just loved the idea so much. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I wrote it out as prose. So it is basically, it comes from a few different ideas. It comes from um, me trying to write a pantomime about Hanson and Gretel, which I did ages ago. Mm. Um, and the main thing that came from it was thinking about all the food in the book, in the story of Hansel and Gretel, the, um, and all of the things that aren't supposed to be food, but are food. <laughs> like yes. there's the trail of, there's a trail of, of glowing stones that turns into bread. Mm. And there's a house that shouldn't be cake, but is made of cake. <laughs> and obviously <laughs> Hansel's not food, but the witch thinks that he is food. And so in, in that story, in, when I was trying to rewrite Hansel and Gretel, I was thinking about, well, what if, the reason that all these things turn into bread and cake and biscuits is because the witch in the forest, that's her power. She touches things and they turn into baked goods. And she's, <laughs> in re she's just really, really embarrassed. <laughs> she's got such a rubbish power. <laughs> so that was one idea. And that became Buttercup, who went from being, she was very bitter in that first story, very bitter about having rubbish powers. And now she's mm. very, very sweet and loving um, and sort of maternal and cuddly. Um, another one was about Snow White. I've been thinking for a while about why it's never quite made sense to me why Snow White goes back to being with the humans because humans have treated her so badly throughout the whole of her story. She yeah. just gets abused. She gets taken like the the huntsman's sort of framed as a nice guy because he doesn't kill a child. <laughs> it's like wow, that is a low bar. <laughs> no, instead I'm going to leave her to starve and get eaten by wolves in this forest. So much, much Aren't I a nice guy? <laughs> and she just gets let down by uh, by all of these humans and the people who the people who care for her and welcome her into her into their home and uh, have no conditions for their care are magical creatures they're dwarves and um and then she goes off with a human straight away who kissed her while she was Sleeping, dead yeah. which is which is creepy. Problematic, um, to say the least. <laughs> problematic. Um, so I invented a version of Snow White who completely turns her back on humanity because they've been so horrible to her. And the one glimmer of kindness she has shown in that whole story of unconditional love and, and generosity and respect is from the dwarves. So she she goes and lives in a cave and, and lives as a dwarf. Um, so so there were lots of different sort of ideas that came into sort of, and I sort of smashed them together because I really love, I wanted to, to write a CBB show that was, again, I was hugely influenced by um, Maid Marion and her Merry Men. Yes. I've wanted, if I, ever get to write a t if I ever get to write a TV show, I want it to be, a lot like Maid Marian and her Merry Men. There's something that I love about just the muck of it. Just it's so mucky. Um, yeah. uh, it's got, it's, you know, it's, it, that is a show with dirt under its nails from scrabbling up a muddy bank. Um, and it's, again, it's about losers who are stuck in the woods and are just constantly getting, um, constantly sort of scrabbling over the, the smallest things, but they've also got the village of workshop to look after. I liked that idea as well. So it's not just the losers in the forest, but the losers in the forest are also um, kind of some samuraiing this uh, <laughs> this one village that they want to help out. So there were lots of ideas sort of around that that I sort of squidged together into this script, and, and they didn't want it. So it's like, well, fine. I've got all these ideas that I really love, and now I've invented this gang of losers with magical powers who have to live in the woods and have to help out this rubbish little village. 
um, I'll turn it into a book. Um, and I did. And I had, because I had pitched it as a series, I had um, other ideas of, of where it could go. So I was on Twitter and um, I, I followed quite a lot of other authors and other sort of writing groups and opportunities and forums. And I just saw somebody had had um, retweeted um, from Abby Heden from Farago Books, mm-hmm. uh, who was looking for genre comedy series. And I was so excited that somebody wanted a genre comedy because nobody wants genre comedy these days, especially if you're a woman, because if you're a woman, they see your genre as woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to write fantasy and sci-fi and I want to write about silly big adventures in a in a in a non-domestic world or I want to write about domesticity in a world that that doesn't make sense as we sort of as we know it um so she wanted genre comedy which was really exciting but she did want a series so I sent her the first half of the book that I'd written um and a um a detailed uh, synopsis for the rest of the book and then some fairly detailed synopses for where I could see another two books going into in a in a trilogy um, and yeah she liked it which was nice <laughs> um, and she yeah she was excited to have to have a female she's she'd been especially looking for female writers and especially looking for sci-fi and fantasy writers because they didn't have many on their cards uh, so I was like, I just I ticked a, a box at the time, science fiction and fantasy writer. There we go. Um, so, yeah, it was a case of just being in the right the right place at the right time, really. And it's interesting you've from when, when you've been describing the book and the writing process so far, you've been you, you've been mentioning an awful lot of, of, of Snow White or, or maybe we were talking about the, the forest and you, you mentioned about mm. Marion. Do you think as a writer that that, that borrowing from from our other things that we've read or seen or do you think that's an important part of your writing when you're looking at fantasy writing in particular i don't know um (laughs) i mean i mean um the writer that i love the most is terry pratchett and Mm. he obviously he borrows from loads because he's a satirist Mm. um and you know I, i write satire as well um so maybe there's a touch of that i think a lot of it was me going i want to do Pratchett does, <laughs> uh, but then they marry her, marry mine. That's that's borrowing from from Robin Hood and twisting yeah. it. Um, I do have a lot of fondness for taking known stories and just twisting it and looking at them from other directions. I'm a huge fan fiction writer as well. I love fan fiction, mm. um, and again, that's taking taking a, a well known story and perhaps looking at it from a different point of view or changing it or um, looking um, to their backstories or projecting forwards into, oh, what are these characters going to be like when they're old and grey? Um, so I think in certainly in terms of my writing, not even just as a, as a fantasy writer, but as in the stories that I enjoy, there is a lot of that, a lot of um, adaptation, mm. That goes on, and I think as it's part of human condition, that's how stories began, isn't it? By hearing a story and telling your own story and passing it on. I think it's sort of built into us as storytellers to go, oh, I'm going to tell this story, but in this one, the girl's the hero, yay! <laughs> 
it is. It's. I, I'm really looking forward to reading the two of them. Uh, and Yay. and the first one we got the Darkwood uh, book to start with, and then your your recent one, uh, which is uh, recently released a couple of weeks back now, yes. uh, is uh, such big teeth. Uh, and yes. both of them are available from Farago Books. Uh, we we are going to very quickly move on uh, just to your second music choice. Mm-hmm. Um, now that we were talking about uh, different genres and things, and you, you've chosen actually a first person to ever choose uh, the soundtrack from a computer game. Uh, and we, you've gone for uh, Clouds and Starlight uh, from mm-hmm. uh, now. I don't know the the, the the game of everybody's gone to the Rapture. Yes, I'm not a big gamer, so you might have to explain. Ooh. Just we got we, uh, in, in 30 seconds. Can you explain the game to me? Uh, oh God. <laughs> okay, it is um, what's what's known as a walking simulator. It's um, it's a new it's a game that's kind of half game, half um, interactive story. It's one of uh, the games that are of that genre that came out of a Half-Life mod. don't know if, if uh, any listeners um, <laughs> like playing Half-Life. It's that same first-person walking around type of game. Uh, but it's, um, it's set in... It's basically about a very quiet and loving apocalypse that takes place in um, early 80s um, rural uh, West Country. And it is beautiful and heartbreaking. And the, the the score, which I love, which is one of my writing. I love I love video game scores. I love writing to it because they are great soundtracks for working to because they're sort of written for you to sort of listen to while concentrating on something else. Mm. Um, and Jessica Curry is, a, is an amazing um, composer. Um, and I recommend just listening to Jessica Curry's work in general. She's a really exciting um, British composer um, and this is a heartbreaking it's a heartbreaking score generally this is a really really heartbreaking moment in the game if any of you have played everybody who's gone to the rapture this is the bit in the scout heart and it is so sad <laughs> <laughs> let's have a listen this is clouds and starlight the frequency 104.7 the area Rossendale Valley the station Rossendale Radio Welcome back to the Waffle segment. It's the final part of our interview this afternoon with Gabby Hutchison Crouch. And we've been talking books. We've been talking comedy writing. Uh, but uh, you've been busy during the lockdown. I mean, a lot of writers have said that uh, that they haven't uh, been able to get out. And I know that the comedy circuit is in particular dire straits at the moment because of live yes. performance not being uh, around. But you've managed to keep yourself busy. I have completely by accident. Um, what happened is I um, just come from. I was just finishing off writing the last bits of um, horrible histories, um, which I've been working on at the right at the start of the year. Um, and Greg Jenner, who's a mate via uh, Horrible Histories, got in touch with me and said, "Look, we're we're." because of the lockdown I can't do you're dead to me anymore so we're looking at doing a kids history podcast because the kids can't go to school um so he was going to use the um the you're dead to me crew um so the same production company and the same co-writer but he said that he wanted somebody of horrible histories um who he knew could do the jokes and he knew 
aiming it towards kids. Uh, so I was like, yes, please. I've got no other work on. <laughs> and I can do this from home. And this is really exciting because I love comedy and history. I really, really love doing um, horrible history. So it's like, yay, more, more of the same. Yay. Um, and I love working with Greg as well. Um, so it was really interesting. It was for, it was for tech. Initially, it was for BBC Sounds. And then Radio 4 decided that they wanted it as well. Excellent. So it was really odd. So we were initially just writing a podcast um, and that was the pilot um, and then after listening to the pilot instead of going which is what we often get when I write a pilot for radio <laughs> uh, or for, for the BBC um, sounds they went yes and <laughs> um, Radio 4 at half past nine straight after start the week with Andrew Mars like okay, okay. It's, it's a little bit of a jolt so it is going and uh, a couple of people have been like a little bit funny about the fact you're going from like Andrew Marr talking about a bit of bark or something straight to, hello, I'm Greg Jenner. We're going to talk about poo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was, it was amazing. It was the fastest turnaround any of us have ever done on a, on a show, certainly for Radio 4, which um, if Radio 4 commissioning speed is like magma, you can pitch something and still not have, you can pitch something, get it greenlit and still not have have um, had it on for like two or three years. Um, in this one, they had, I think Greg had the phone call on Wednesday um, and we'd record, no, Greg had the phone call on Friday and we had written and recorded the show by the next Wednesday. It went that mm-hmm. quickly. Um, and then we were on and we were going. And yeah, we all worked at breakneck speed to get um, 12 shows out. Part of our reasoning was, what if one of us gets sick? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we, <laughs> uh, none of us had been sick at that point. So it was like, well, let's get a few in the bank in case one of us gets the bad COVID. Yeah. Um, uh, but we didn't, which was good. So yeah, yeah, we've been uh, working on that. It's just finished its run so um the bad news there's no more of it on radio 4 the good news is if you haven't heard it yet all of it is now available on uh, bbc sounds or wherever you get you get your podcasts it is it's technically for kids but um it does really well with pensioners <laughs> like lots of lots of adults have uh, like written in um sent us really nice feedback because so it's actually quite um a complex history show packaged as a 15 minutes kids thing because we talk because Greg's like you know he is a proper historian and my other writer Emma um is also a, like a proper historian and I'm just like an idiot who writes jokes about toilets uh, <laughs> um because they're like like properly on their history they wanted to get an actual expert to to guide us for, for every episode so at the start of the writing process for each episode we would have like a two-hour long meeting with um one of the um one of the main experts in that particular field and then from their information and their um their sort of fact packs that they give us we would condense that right down to 14 minutes of, of fa- fun facts and jokes and sound effects um, so there is quite a lot of like very new information in it. We just had um, Greg just did feedback on Friday um, and th- some of the adults had written in going, well, why did you say that Cleopatra was rolled up in a duvet? It was a, it was a, it was a carpet. Everyone knows it's a carpet. It's a carpet. And Greg was like, actually, no. It was um, it was something more similar to a duvet. It was a coverlet. Um do you so, think, yeah, do we've, you got, think? we've got new facts that um, are coming in that, that 
we're sort of busting myths and things um like our, our, our pocahontas episode we weren't really calling pocahontas because we we're going with her name was matuaka um and there are so many there are so many myths in in pocahontas that are just not true at all. Do you think there's been a, a success of horrible histories that actually they take the the it's, it's standalone as a, as a comedy piece, as you say for you know for adults to enjoy, but actually the the learning that that goes into a piece of horrible histories. Uh, I mean, my my kids learned more about history absolutely than in while watching a television program or or listening to a radio series than they than they ever did from studying it from a book. Well. I mean, books are great. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> let's not, not uh, let's not diss books by any means. <laughs> no, um, books are fantastic. Um, and um, but I've learned more from doing horrible histories than I did probably at school. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's you know I made a joke about it on Twitter when everyone was going on about statues. So why can people not simply learn history the way that I do? By being hired to write poo jokes about it. Yes. <laughs> That's how I learn my history. I find out things and I think, how can I insert some jokes about the toilet into this? <laughs> It is uh, it is a wonderful thing to uh, to, to to learn from, uh, and and I think from all of your work that we've talked about this afternoon, I think there's a what what's really lovely is is that you're really really passionate about telling jokes. I think that's the thing is that and whichever whichever hand you find turn to, whether it's novels or whether it's the the comedy writing for a sketch show or something that's a learning piece, there's there's just that actually let's focus on the humour, and that's a I think that's a, a way we we need to take things forward. I think going uh, coming out of all this, don't we? Thank you. I agree. I think that a sense of humour is absolutely vital, um, and there is there is humour and fun to be found in anything at all. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. It, it's something I'm, I definitely am very passionate about. You know, jokes and also storytelling. Well, it's been uh, it's been absolutely lovely catching up with you this afternoon. You. Uh, I, I wish we could talk for longer. I've mm-hmm. I have I have limits uh, that I have mm-hmm. to stick to. Um, but before we do, uh, before we disappear, um, now we, we I asked you as if, as I do for all guests for your music choices, uh, and you, you you told me Xanadu, and I went, oh Olivia Newton John, we've played that, and you went, oh no 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 no, not Olivia <laughs> Newton John, uh, and you made me go back, and I I hadn't realised that the that there is a a different version out there of this particular song. Uh, you've gone for the ELO on their own version yes please uh, it's, it's my favorite song at the moment it's so happy it's just the happiest song it's it is a it is a fantastic version and a, a version that i didn't even know existed till this afternoon and i like it when people introduce new music to the station Yay. it's wonderful uh gabby uh thank you so much for joining us this afternoon um hopefully i'll be able to catch up with you soon in person yeah. when we're not having to speak for a speaker 250 oh. miles away <laughs> this is anadu 104.7 Rossendale Radio And there we go, the sadness, which is the end of Waffle the Bite-Sized podcast for another week. Uh, But the joyousness of knowing that uh, we've spoken to yet another brilliant guest. My thanks go to Gabby Hutchinson-Crouch for her time uh, to talk about her radio career, her writing career, working with some amazing uh, people across the broadcasting world. Uh, And of course, that brand new book, Such Big Teeth, which is now available from Farago Books. Check it out online. Uh, I've got my copy and I can't wait to delve into it. We'll be back next next week with another great guest my thanks as ever go to the brilliant melanie kemp uh, for all of her work editing waffle the bite-sized podcast and our friends at rossendale radio for allowing us to broadcast across the airwaves every sunday we will see you next week everybody stay safe see you soon